<laughs> Everyone welcome. In this black cauldron, everything in the world is controlled. Don't be afraid. It will all be over shortly. No one can escape from here, and you'll be sacrificed to the black cauldron. Oh, Satan's kill. Awaken and resurrect the soldiers of death. Rebuild an army without rivals. The army of death. Rise, the devil's servants. Go and capture them and throw them into the cauldron. Don't leave anyone behind. The black cauldron wants more bodies. I swear to death. <laughs> Abandoned ride. Yeah, I, well, you know, there's only one Disney attraction that ever existed that had ties to the Black Cauldron, and that is the now defunct uh, Cinderella Castle Mystery Tour at uh, Tokyo Disneyland. So that's me just reading translated text for a ride that no longer exists. But it works. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, and that's they actually say that uh, that's the reason why it got uh, defunct. I guess as the, they would be called now. Yeah. Because the people were like, "This is too scary." Well, it had an animatronic horned king and a black cauldron and animated skeletons that came out of the, the darkness at you. Whoa, what? Really? Yeah, yeah. This, is, this was real. That sounds way better than the movie, right? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Holy hell. Jeez. Uh, all right. So how do we uh, want to... Well, I guess we should start with our introduction. Welcome to the Animusings podcast. I am David. I am Kayla. And we have a guest. Do we? We always have a guest. I thought I heard another voice. Hello. Ah! Ah! I'm May. I'm an Hi. internet. Hi, May. Or I... as you might recognize her as, Nick Spears. Yeah, I'm an internet. <laughs> You're an internet. Welcome to, welcome to our internet show, internet. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the internet. Inter- <laughs> <laughs> this is the moment where you, you throw your hat in the air, a la, <laughs> I'm gonna make it after all. Oh my god. But also, yeah. <laughs> Well, how are how are you this fine evening? I'm fine. I'm I'm good. I just watched the Black Cauldron As did for we. this podcast. Oh no, you watched the wrong movie. We're not reviewing that. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh my god, you actually <laughs> did legitimately get me because I was like, shoot, I had to hunt that thing down. Oh, so well, it's not on any streaming services. We found it on YouTube. We just bought it on YouTube. <laughs> oh yeah, I got it on on Amazon Prime. Oh. So. It was it was four dollars, and frankly, I can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I bought I rented it in standard definition for like two ninety nine, and I also can't believe. It. Honestly, standard definition was the route that I should have went, but I went HD. I paid the extra one dollar. Oh, cool! So when we get to the parts where we talk about some of the weird animation and the odd contrasts, you're gonna have an extra uh, <laughs> an extra bird's eye view of the whole thing. Yes, I, I'm going to have a very keen perspective. Wonderful. So, what's the what's the deal with this movie's uh, history, Kayla? Also, so what what year did this come out? This uh, was 80... 1985. 85. Okay. Um, but uh, it has a very long history. Okay. Um, first off, David knows this better than I do because you actually read the books. That's true, and um, so. Should I should I go ahead and say this part? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. So this is based on Lloyd Alexander. Alexander. Wow. wow. <laughs> You're this, off to a great this start. This is based on Alexander. This is based on Lloyd Alexander's Chronicles of Perdane series of books, which are a series of five books 
Um, the two that most factor into this movie are uh, The Book of Three and The Black Cauldron, so, of course. Uh, the Book of Three... Wow. I thought... I. You... It's the curse. It's the cauldron. Ah! No one can speak today. Nope. <laughs> the Book of Three came out in 1964, and The Black Cauldron came out in 1965. Um, Walt Disney optioned uh, the five-volume ser- series in 1971... And uh, pre-production began began in 1973. However, it took forever because you you told me this and confirmed this. There is so many storylines and a ton of main characters. So the Perdane Chronicles are very Lord of the Rings-esque if Lord of the Rings was more heavily couched in Welsh mythology. And also easier to read, in my opinion. Oh, really? (laughs) Much easier to read. Is it much easier than uh, The Hobbit, or...? It's about on par with The Hobbit, I'd say. Okay. Like, the books were not necessarily designed for children, but they definitely got more of, like, a like a whimsical high fantasy feel to them. Okay. Um, so, they were planning to release it in 1978, but because there were so much issues with, like, first of all, um, figuring out, like, which characters are we going to follow? Which storylines are we going to choose? How are we going to turn five books into one movie? Or should it be five books into one movie? And then not only that, uh, they uh, they struggled with animating, like, realistic humans. Um, remember, we got a whole new generation of animators here. Right, this is oh, true. Yeah. We, yeah, this is like the... Wrong- we're, we're post-Fox and the Hound, where the torch was passed, so to, say, so to speak, to the next generation of animators. Uh, so we've got a lot of young blood in the studio right now. Yes. Uh, so instead of 1978, uh, they pushed it back to Christmas 1984. Uh, of course, it didn't come out in Christmas 1984, but that was the suggested release date. Um, so, um, the directors that go on to eventually direct this film are, uh, Ted Berman and, um, let me confirm this. I, I, I it's... Rich Richard? But that doesn't sound like a real name to me. That does not sound like a real name to me. Richard Richardson. Richard Richardson. I want to make sure this is true. Because now someone didn't want credit. Someone really did not want credit. Well, at least it's not Alan Smithy. Yeah. No, it's Richard Rich. That's his real name. Richie Rich directed this? What the heck? Richie Rich directed this. Well, you know what? Good for him. (laughs) Not all of us are born with such whimsical names. (laughs) Good point. Uh, But they were not the first director. The first director was actually John Musker. Hey. Yeah, we know that name. Mm -hmm. Um, So his first uh, job was to expand uh, the first act, but they decided to throw it out because they said it was too comedic. They didn't like that. Um, Oh, God forbid the movie is fun. Oh, I know, right? (laughs) Uh, but eventually, uh, John Musker, as well as Ron Clements, said, um, we are not agreeing with the creative choices that are going on in this film, so they left, and, uh, they began development on The Great Mouse Detective, and they chose correctly. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, they did. (laughs) Um, so, uh, Art Stevens, who, if you remember, was, like, the animation director for Fox the Hound, came in on this and brought in the whole team for Fox and the Hound after it wrapped up. Um, the CEO at the time, uh, Disney CEO, was uh, Ron Miller, and he said there are way too many people involved and I don't like what Stevens did with the Fox and the Hound. So we're getting... Jo- they brought in Joel Hale, who had been a layout artist as the producer. 
and they really wanted that Sleeping Beauty style, so they brought Milk Call out of retirement. Whoa! Yeah, <laughs> they opened the they opened the, they opened the the vault and pulled Milt out and said, "Milt, can we borrow you?" And he said, "Where am I? <laughs> what am I doing here?" Yeah. <laughs> so he he's the you one. want me to draw? What? <laughs> we, we, yeah, we already did Sleeping Beauty. What are you talking about? Yeah. Do it again, but for babies. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Do it again, yeah. but make it way darker and edgier. So, yeah, they, um, <laughs> they, um, uh, brought him in to design the characters. So, like, all the main characters, that's Milk Call. I could see that. You know, you mentioned that they, one of the things they struggled with was animating, uh, realistic looking humans. Mm-hmm. And they should have taken a cue from Ralph, Ralph Bakshi, because I looked up Ralph Bakshi's Lord of the Rings, and that was 1978. Oh, yeah. Of course, Bakshi was like the king of, uh, rotoscoping, so if they didn't want to rotoscope. They didn't rotoscope for that. No, I know they didn't rotoscope, but if they didn't want to rotoscope, well, maybe this wasn't the best example, because, because Bakshi pretty much rotoscoped everything. <laughs> All right. It might as well have been a live-action Lord of the Rings. <laughs> so it's time for the craziness. Now we're going to bring in names <laughs> that we know of. It's 1984. Wow, saying out loud just made it more hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Walt is watching you from beyond the grave. So, um, Jeffrey Katzenberg, yes. Yay. That Katzenberg, uh, who was then chairman of Walt Disney Studios, uh, Watched the film, the screening of the film, uh, when it was nearly complete. He hated it. Here's the funny part. Like, it, it they were scared that they were going to get a rated R. No. This. Yes. They were Come like, on. we're, we're going to get a rated R for this. Cause it was really dark and really graphic, especially, um, the, the scene with the dead coming out of the cauldron. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. That actually was even worse, apparently. It was even darker than that. Like, were they le- less skeletons and more, like, rotting corpses yeah, or something? Yeah, they, they actually thought they were going to get rated R, and I'm like, I want to see this. If it's really as dark and edgy as it was supposed yeah. to be. I would have loved to see this movie in the in like a really bold style. Like, did you, did you, uh, did you ever, either of you ever see uh, Watership Down? No, and I know, yes, I do. I do know of it, but could you imagine it was if it was as like hardcore oh as say the stuff that they allowed to happen in Watership Down? Oh my god! <laughs> they should have done it though. They should have. The movie would have just been let it happen. Yeah. So Katzenberg was like, "We have to edit it," and uh, producer Joe Hale was like, "We don't do that." They because usually with uh, animated films, they're not edited in post production. Right. And Katzenberg said, well, um, forget you, I, uh... Y'all gonna have to edit this <laughs> No, he brought in an edit bay! With, oh my god. Yeah, without the original, he just hired a guy and said, edit it. And, um, so we had CEO Ron Miller. Uh, in 1984, we get new CEO, a new name that we all know, Michael Eisner! Yeah, yeah. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> he brought Katzenberg in and said, Stop this. What are you thinking? What, Eisner did a good? Eisner did a good. Uh, well, actually, the more I learn about Eisner, the more I realize, like, early Eisner, when he was balanced out, he did a good. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so, well, no. Well, we're getting, we, I can't believe it. We're finally to the Eisner era. <laughs> so, <laughs> they, they, I know, Eisner. Oh, crazy? man. Okay. Sorry, carry on, carry so, on. So, like, a good, like, t- I think it was, like, 12 minutes were taken out, and... Katzenberg's like, well, 
You have to modify it at least. I'll stop editing it as long as you modify it. And so they had to delay it uh, from Christmas 1984 to July 1985. Wow. And apparently, yeah, it was that bad that it would have either gotten a PG-13 rating or rated R. It did get a PG rating, and it's the first Disney movie to do so. Oh. Yeah, I know. Wow. <laughs> yeah, but ironically, like, in actually watching it, this is maybe skipping ahead a bit, but uh, in actually watching it, like, I feel like uh, the PG rating isn't the thing that hurt it. Nope. So much? Nope. Okay, so um, I'm going to just flat out be honest here, because this has to be said ahead of time. So, what has been... Okay, David, you know the total typical budgets for... Uh, they're usually... They've been... They're usually around, like, what? Eight, well, is eight it million... To 12 million? Eight, eight to 12 million. 44 million! They spent <laughs> 44 million on this film. And they lied about it. No, it was supposed to be, like, 20 million... They... They claimed originally that it was like 20 million, 25 million, and then later on they were like, nah, we spent like $44 million on that motherfucker. <laughs> like- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it actually was con- because of that budget, it was the most expensive animated film ever at that time. I- Do you want to know? And then the- you watch the movie and you're like, oh, okay. I have a hard time seeing the forty-four million in the budget of this movie. Let's it's, be real. It's because of the editing, and they yeah yeah they paid for extra for the editing. And if, they, if Katzenberg hadn't been such a little whiner, mm-hmm. you want to know what their box office was? I'm gonna cringe. not uh, not forty-four million. Clearly not. <laughs> I'm gonna say. Can I take a wild guess? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say not even half its budget. Twenty-one million. Ooh, ooh, not even half. That's domestic. Like oh, internationally? I don't know internationally. And normally we, we usually save the numbers till the end, but no, this is juicy. I need to know. No, well, apparently later on it did develop a bit of a fan base internationally. Okay. Was, like was the, is that why they have a ride of it? They had used to have an attraction based on it at Tokyo Disneyland. I heard it was popular in France, but um, oh, okay. Uh, it is all so it was that was so bad that it almost almost killed the Disney animation department. Oof. It was so poorly received, um, it was not distributed as a home video release for more than a decade. Right. After I, its release. I can remember as My a kid. God. Do you want to know what makes it worse? There's more? Yeah. So to add insult to injury, it was beaten at the box office by the Care Bears movie. <laughs> Destroyed. <laughs> Care Bears they got Care Bears Get wrecked, scared. Black Cauldron. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Care Bears movie made $22.9 million. Hell yeah, Care Bears. Care- but Wait. you know what? Where's the podcast about the Care Bears movie? I know. That's right. Black Cauldron wins again. <laughs> Disney wins again. We might, you know. Fair enough. You know what? Later down. We might. We're, we're going to eventually do other movies, other, you know, franchises other studios besides you're gonna have to touch on the care bears movie that's a very important film (gasps) nelvana he was the one who produced care bears movie we have to you know i'm with may we have to talk about the care bears movie yeah yeah come on well well we decided after this um because we were trying to think what would be a good uh runner-up to the disney animated films we decided we're going to do um don bluth 
Oh, hell yeah. I know, right? <laughs> and this, yeah, there's, that's going to be a fun ride. I'm so excited for this. You know what? This, this movie, they, they're like so scared of the ratings with this movie. And, and, you know, uh, the secret of Nim was way darker than this movie and yet more meaningful. Mm-hmm. By the way, um, guess who was still alive at this time when the movie came out? Uh, a few people, I imagine, but. Lo- Lloyd Alexander. Oh, what did Lloyd Alexander think of it? So he, I have a quote from him. First, I have to say, there is no resemblance between the bo- movie and the book. He's not wrong. Having said that, the movie in itself, purely as a movie, I found to be very enjoyable. I had fun watching it. What I would hope is that anyone who sees the movie would certainly enjoy it, but I'd also hope that they'd actually read the book. The book is quite different. It's a very powerful, very moving story, and I think people would find a lot more depth in the book. That's He's... Yet that's actually pretty generous. Yeah. All things considered, because I did read the, I read the first four books and then was ne- not, never able to finish the fourth one. I don't remember why. I'd like to go back and revisit them someday, but, um, he's not wrong. The, <laughs> the stuff that's kind of crammed into this movie instead happens over the course of two books and is in a different order. So I'll be chiming in every so often to do comparisons because I'm going to be that, uh, well, you know, person, that human being. Yeah. We're trying not to swear. I'm going to be that nerd. We're trying not to swear on this. this. Is a, hey, you know what? This is a PG episode. This is a PG episode. I swear. had no idea we were trying not to swear. I'm pretty sure I've said some bad no, things since we started. No, you haven't said anything. You no, haven't said anything. No, you, you're allowed. You, you, got, you got away with the, in, in a PG movie, you got away with like the one swear that we don't have to censor. <laughs> Damn it. I mean, shoot. Okay. <laughs> You're fine. Yeah, you're I'm going to try fine. really, really hard to stay no, no, no. on the okay. straight and narrow. Okay. We'll make this PG. We're, gonna We're make making this PG. PG. I'm not going to censor it this time. Oh, my God. I think oh I my can God. trust our audience. Oh, my God. Okay. I can trust our audience. I know. I'll, I'll try not to say anything too, in, like, Oh, no, no. I'm, that's, bad. Sometimes it's tricky for me, too, so it's all good. <laughs> um, so we begin this with... Without an opening sequence. Well, without an opening credit sequence, for uh, one. Yeah, here, I actually, um... Fun fact of the day. This is the first Disney movie to have a full closing credits with music. Yep. And the first to have any sort of closing credits uh, since Alice in Wonderland, actually. Alice in Wonderland only did the voice cast at the end. This actually has the ending have the full one. Usually it used to be in the beginning. Yep. So So we'll have to talk about the credits at the end this time instead of right up front. I kind of miss the opening credits. By the way, is, is it just me or is the boring narration boring? Uh, yes. Thank you. <laughs> David, you want to keep talking about this? No. <laughs> um, well, I'll say this much. I also miss the opening credits because, like, I pressed play and then the movie started and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. And I, I was like, I, like, had stuff in my hands and I set it down really <laughs> quick, quickly so that I could pay attention, you know? And I was like, ah, I thought we were watching a Disney movie with opening credits, but no. <laughs> you came in at the the one movie where it doesn't happen. It's like, well, it like immediately throws you off. It does. It really does. And the the, it, the fact the fact that they do like the whole narration backstory for the cauldron is kind of weird too. Yeah. Like, but here's the thing. Like they give the backs the narration, but like it's only just showing the culture. I'm like, what you're you're an animated film. Why aren't you showing the animation of this guy turning into a cauldron? And even then, I got confused because I'm like, wait, so guy uh, guy some king, random ass king has nothing to do with the horn king. 
is evil and gets turned into a cauldron, and they sort of explain that if you put dead people in there, they come to life as your undead army. It's not really said well, though. There's there's a lot going on in that opening scene, and like, number one, I'm thinking about being a kid, right? And I'm like, okay, so you're telling me that there's a cauldron, something I have no idea what it is. Like, (laughs) I'm a child, what is a cauldron? And then... I'm like, okay, so a person become that? <laughs> and, and like, I assume there was probably, they probably animated something of a person turning into a cauldron, but it was too awful and haunting to show a, a child. <laughs> so instead they just cut to a cauldron. <laughs> and you're like, okay, we got the cauldron. Uh, cool. And they're like, yeah, you put some dead people in there. They're going to be alive and they're going to be your slaves. And it's like, oh, cool. Why did Disney do this? <laughs> Why did they ever think that this was a wise thing to do? Like, these are children's movies. There's a lot of bad stuff in the movie. But like, from the start, it immediately sets off on the this is going to be um messed up, kids. And messed up, it is. But, but also highly confusing because yes, highly confusing. But yeah, because I agree, I, I agree with both of you. Because like, there's, it's got like the, so the cauldron. We see the cauldron for the first time, and it's just a big old black iron thing. But then it's got like, it's got like this like impression of a face on the front of it, like the stylized face, and like sometimes that face glows orange throughout the the film at different intervals. I think that's supposed to be the king's soul, whoever was now. Uh, from a book perspective, this never happened. Uh, oh, cool. the, in the, in the Chronicles of Perdane, the cauldron was a tool, I believe, it's been a while, so my memory shows it, I think it was sought after, or was created by Auron, who was this, like, evil deity slash evil, like, think, think, uh, think Sauron. Right. And, okay. and, uh, the cauldron was lost, and the cauldron doesn't even, is, doesn't even factor until the second book, and the, and the Horned King is the villain of the first book, and it has nothing to do with the Black Cauldron. So. <laughs> so cool. That's already something. Um, so then we, we go from this, this rather bleak opening to, to, um, the smash cut of the title, Black Cauldron, and then we're, we go to Care Dalbin, uh, this, like, Beautiful, pristine farm where we meet uh, Dalbin, who is... He's only there for the first five minutes. Don't get too attached to him. He's an old man. Yeah. Um, he mentions that he knows some stuff about how things are going bad in Perdane. The fair folk have disappeared. Um, and then we he he's... We get... We get Tarin. We get our main character. It bugs me so much. They keep saying Tarin, and, and when you read it, you think Taryn, and it's like, no, it's Tarin, apparently. it's. Well, it might be with the accent. Okay, that could be. Because, uh, you know, Elon Wee, she's got an accent, and she's always like, Tarin, right. Tarin, you know, so I always re- pronounce it as Taryn. Can we talk about how Tarin is nationalist swine? <laughs> Wait, what? I would love to talk about this. <laughs> and not and is this a pun on the fact that he's also an assistant pig keeper? No, I'm confused. This bugged the shit out of me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because I was like, so wait, wait, David, it, he's a pig keeper, but what does that mean? How does he make money from being a pig keeper? He doesn't. He's he's he, that's the point. He doesn't. He's a charge. He's an orphan, and he's in the care of Dalbin. Dalbin basically raised him. To- but what is Dalbin? Dalbin. He is- has to take care of pigs so that he doesn't die. No, Dalvin no, no. owns the the land, owns the farm. He's basically keeping Terran on as a ward. 
And Dolben's job is to keep an eye on Henwen. But wouldn't that mean Taran is the pig keeper, not Dolben? Wouldn't be or Dol Apparently, Dolben's an if Dolben's a dick and just wants um and just wants Taran to be the assistant pig keeper. That's what I theorize. Taran is a child slave. Yes, and he's also nationalist swine. How is he nationalist swine, man? Eh? Well, like right at the beginning, he's like, "Damn, I really want to go to war and kill some folks." <laughs> And I'm like, wow, cool. And and he ha he has no reason for this. He doesn't say like, I want to save the world from evil. He's just like, God, I want to go to war and kill some folk. And then Grandpa is like, Hey, uh, that hurts people. And I'm thinking <laughs> that's an understatement. Yeah. Don't and and so he's just yeah. And then he goes outside and he beats up a bunch of animals. Oh, that's a good point. He chases them with his dick and talks about he's a great warrior. He rattles that poor goat's horns. What bugs me so much is like, what do we know about Taryn? He's a dreamer. What else? That's it. That's it. That's his only character trait in the in the movie. In the and book, by dreamer, you mean nationalist swine. <laughs> Again, swine, pig keeper. Oh my god, you're right. It works. Wow. It totally it works. Oh, I wonder how much shit I'm going to get uh, <laughs> online because I said that. It was nationalist swine. You're not, you're not you're going fine, to. Because you're honestly, fine. I think he's not. Here's the thing that, that I think. He's just a, he's like one of those, those dumb kids who's like, you know what's cool? Running around in armor and killing things with a sword because I don't think about other human beings. But then again, they are fighting, um, the Horned King, who I think is, at least from his implication, is a necromancer. So they're probably right. already fighting like, Undead? Well, no, wait, the undead don't come along until he gets the cauldron, though. He doesn't yeah. have any undead in his service. No, he's, right. he's just villainous. Now, in I the... I don't know, it's... Why is he a villain? I don't know. Who, the Horned King? I don't know. In the book, it's because... He's he's bad. In the book, it's because he's a servant of Aran. Who's Aran? Mm. Aran was that evil god, that uh, god-slash-king-slash-sorcerer monster thing. Is that the dude that, that we conveniently turned... don't deal with? Is that the dude who the... turned into a, the Black Cauldron? I presume in this movie's continuity yes but in the books he's a looming threat a la sauron okay sure so basically what we're saying is the film bad well i mean okay <laughs> let's let's not mince words here but we were gonna be here for a while talking about this film but let's just be honest i didn't really care for this movie neither did i <laughs> about about 15 minutes into the movie i turned to azriel my girlfriend and i was like um Oh no, we have to watch this whole movie. <laughs> That's how I felt. No, I was no, I was five minutes, and I'm like, David, I'm bored. Yeah, isn't this a isn't this a movie with like a forty four million dollar animation budget? budget that we are going to enjoy the whimsical animation, and yet everything is so uh, static and uh, there's no static, bleak, miserable. Like... Okay, can I can I can I talk about one point of light that comes up early on? Mary Go Poppins was made cheaper than this. Yes, but I want to talk about I want to talk about the one shining point of light in this movie that I want to point <gasps> oh, out. Oh yeah, yeah. And that's Henwen, who is cute as hell. Henwen is the Henwen cute is cute as hell. Henwen is the best character in this whole movie. Let's be honest here. Henwen is an adorable creature and is a and is a cinnamon roll that deserves to be treasured. Everything else, eh. Hey y'all. Yeah. yeah. I got a hot take. Okay. Okay, this is a really hot take. All right, Henwin is nationalist swine. <laughs> no, 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 Henwin rules. That was my <laughs> first hot take of many. Uh, <laughs> okay, there's, no, 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 no. There's going to be so many hot takes in this. This is going to be great. There I'm, are. Th this is why we wanted you on the show. <laughs> oh, yeah, because I got the 
I got the hot opinions. Okay, so so basically, um, the Black Cauldron is has also has another name uh, that no one knows. It, it's called Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh god! It's literally Star Wars. I like mean... like like Henwin is R two D two, right? Oh, the the. Oh. The the robot that has no like agency really and contains secret information, but is also very cute, and lovable. Yes, right. Not ever speaking a word. Wait, does that mean Taran is C three PO technically? No, Taran's Luke, just way worse. Taran's Luke and Han Solo combined into one. Ew. Then uh, there's a Leia character that has no agency, which is cool. Le- uh, no, she is not Leia. Leia is so much better than. <laughs> Well, somebody thought that they were doing Leia. Uh, <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get to her in a sec. Um, but but it, no, the the weird musician guy is the C three PO. Oh, Fluter? and then yeah, and then the uh, the furry monster um, that they save at the end is yeah. Chewbacca. That's this is a really sad version of Star Wars. It's a really sad version. Oh, and I mean, one need not mention the fact that the Horned King is just Darth Vader. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if John yeah. Darth Vader were voiced by John Hurt. Yeah, yeah well, which would have been better, honestly. Uh, I actually wouldn't be George surprised. Lucas is an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wouldn't be surprised if actually they took from Star Wars to make this. Well, here's the thing. Uh, Lloyd Alexander, uh, Considering Lloyd Alexander and George Lucas probably dipped in the same well when it came to the writing. Oh, the, because uh, the, jo- the... Joseph Campbell? Yeah, the hero's journey. Oh, yeah. The, the, the whole, uh, the whole um, quint- uh, quintet of novels... Is a Bildungsroman. It's about Taryn going from uh, assistant pig keeper to wise and noble hero by the end of it. And who, unlike Taryn in this one, is not nationalist swine because he actually like goes out and learns about the horrors of war and realizes he was an idiot and and actually spends the fourth book wandering trying to find himself. Weird that. <laughs> Interesting. It's almost like somebody retooled the narrative to to be what they wanted it to be. Disney, like shoving shoving two books together awkwardly and excluding a lot of the good bits. Hey, can we go back to talking about how Henwin is cute and actually animated really really well? And it's like Henwin is really cute and actually animated like a Disney movie should be animated. She actually she has so much personality. Yeah, and she has. They actually give her really good facial features too, and how she reacts to things. And I'm shocked, like. That they put effort into this not like non-speaking character, and yet. Well, the fact that she doesn't speak is a big part of her charm. <laughs> yeah. Well. Oh God. Well, it turns out here's the weird part. So Tarn's washing her, and she freaks out for no reason. They're like, "Oh, it means she has powers." I'm like, "What? Why?" It's she's a- getting a. She's get. Oh, she's getting a signal. <laughs> So, so they have to, they go and they do the thing. And this is where you learn that uh, Henwin is a special pig. She's an ocular pig. So she, uh, she can see the future. She can make predictions. Basically, she puts her snout into the water and, uh, someone says a bunch of words and that causes visions in whatever water. And you get tag yourself, tag yourself. I'm the psychic pig. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, the I'm, I'm the reused animation from Fantasia in this part. <laughs> Ooh. Because there's basically the Horned King is shown in, like, caricature, but he looks like one of the ghosts from, uh, 
um, fan- the Fantasia sequence. And you know, he super does. This is the weird thing. In the book, the the Horned King is a horseman. That's the whole point of him. He rides across the land with a you know with a whole army of horsemen, and he's known for his antlered helm and his horrifying skull mask. That's how it works in the book. So this is the only time you ever see him on horseback. And in the movie, and, and it's a caricature of him as a Fantasia ghost. And Doblin's like, "Oh no, it, that means he might know about the Black Cauldron." Take. Oh, and he also he 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 knows Henwen is watching so, somehow. Uh, Taran has been tasked to take Henwen someplace. Hide. He he. Dolben says there's a hidden cottage near the edge of the woods, and that he's supposed to take uh Henwen there. I was bored. I'm sorry. I don't remember. I, it's how- okay. I'll help you with these parts. Thank you. Uh, and then we cut to the Horned King, I think? Yeah, we, we go to the Horned King's castle. By the way, another good point in this movie, this castle is rad as hell. Yes. Yeah. That's where all the money went. Yes. No, it's not. But it maybe. <laughs> A no, lot of it did, no, probably. I, no, yeah, probably. Know, my money is that the Jeffrey Katzenberger is like, I'm going to pay a bunch of money to this editor to remove all the animation. <laughs> I, I believe you. Um, but this castle looks great. Like, I really like the the design of it. And then we get inside it. I'm like, Maleficent's castle can eat its heart out. Horn King's castle is pretty, pretty And the legit. way that the Horn King is animated here. Oh. Oh, like how he moves? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. He's a, here's, I wish, I, I feel so bad because the Horn King is a really cool looking villain and has a really good sense of menace to him. But what's, what is the Horn King's character? Nothing. Nothing. Evil boy. Evil he boy. evil, he evil man. Threat. Is I can't tell if he's supposed to be human or if he's also some sort of ghoul. Hi, Gracie. Oh my god. Henwen, our our own Henwen's trying to get our attention. Oh my god. Yeah. Um. Baby. She is an adorable baby. She does snort oh. like a pig. We we kept we've been referring to uh, Gracie as Henwen for the last couple of days. Oh hell yeah. 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 She's so cute. Aren't you, Gracie? Aren't you, ocular pig? I'm listening. <laughs> Um, so the, the Horned King, though, he's, I, in, like I said, oh, I can't and tell. and he's voiced by John Hurt. Yep. Which is Weird. very interesting. Which is cool, but, like, uh, doesn't, doesn't help. I mean, the no. core problems. Yeah, it, he, he goes and he talks to his corpses. He's got a whole basement full of corpses. <laughs> talk, talk John about. Hurt, John Hurt goes and talks to his corpses. Talking, oh, yes, yeah, he does. He talks he's, a, he's a method actor. He had to go into his, before he could film the thing, <laughs> oh he had to go God. to his basement and talk to the corpses he keeps down there. You know, some people have skele- like skeletons in their closet. He has corpses in his basement. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I'm pretty what? sure May also has corpses in her basement, but if I had a basement, it would be filled with corpses, I assure you. Yes. When you moved, what did you have to like give all your corpses away? Or I did. It sucked. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sure we. Could I had to some... bury them again, which is unfortunate. Again. <laughs> well, this this is an unfortunate turn of events. But I, I, sorry to remind you about your great loss. <laughs> yeah, it, it really hurt. <laughs> so that scene only lasts two minutes. It's just to establish the Horn King is there, and he's like he's talking about how he's going to raise the uh, these undead. As the, uh, at these corpses as cauldron born. And this is taken directly from the book. How cool a name is that for your zombie army? The cauldron born? God. I wish I was cauldron born. <laughs> you can't. Unfortunately, be. I was biologically birthed. Um, anyway. Well, you can. Yo. You just have to take a dip in the black <laughs> cauldron. <laughs> oh, fun. Can time. we talk about how, how homeboy's got like, a field of dead people <laughs> in his basement that he's like super ready to go throw into a cauldron? And he's evil. 
but he just don't have the cauldron yet. If he had the cauldron, he'd be dumping people in that cauldron. Yeah. You know he'd do it, too. He's been saving up his allowance of corpses to get this cauldron. Yes. <laughs> it's just like, it's just like, can, can we have everybody's got, it's such a relatable struggle having all the pieces, <laughs> yeah. except for the one that you really need. It's like when you're about to bake a cake, but, you know, you don't have the cake part. Yeah. You know, you've got the milk and the eggs. It's it's like you have all the ingredients and you're like, ah, my oven's not working. It's like you bought uh, Super Smash Brothers, Super Mario Maker 2, uh, ARMS, and you don't have a Switch. You don't have a Switch. You don't have all the games, you just don't have the console. Actually, uh, now here's my question. Where's the scene, um, okay, where the corpse is already already in the basement? Or is there a scene that's missing where he's at his... Grave robbing? Yeah. There is a scene... Later, where you see a cart full of corpses being brought into the castle. Oh, so he does grave rob. Yeah, he's been, it's been implied, he's either grave robbing or he's, um, or he's like going out and killing people and bringing their corpses back. Cause there is a awesome. war going on. Why wasn't that established? That's horrifying! Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, but like, if you want to show this guy is a villain, it's like, no, how badly do I want my army? I'm killing people for it. Well, like, Again, there, there could have been something about that in there, but Jeffrey Katzenberg, petty asshole. <laughs> so, um, that two-minute scene cuts to Tarin daydreaming again. And while he's walking Henwen, while he's taking Henwen for a walk. And Henwen runs away. Henwen leaves. He's like, she's like, screw this. Peace. I'm gone. Taren, Taren's, Taren's, I, I, I don't, I don't like Taren. I don't either. So I, I, don't, I don't like, like Taren. Taren is... It, Oh. I don't need to say it. Wait, wait, wait. You... It comes to the worst... But then we get to another worst character that's like, oh. Oh, no. you! I almost forgot about Gurgi. I'm like, oh. How and... could you forget about Gurgi? Literally the most irritating thing that's ever happened. <laughs> he he is the most irritating thing about this movie other than Taron. And... Well, it's just like, it's very surreal because it's a it's one of those things where when Gurgi comes on screen, you're like, oh, cool. So this is sort of the uh, the the snowman in Frozen situation. <laughs> like, we're supposed to really, really dig this character and be like, oh, sweet thing. Um, but instead, no. No, but the, here's the thing. I think of he's like a in my opinion, he's like a common in the book. He kind of reminds me of, of Smeagol in that. Yes, he's, he's in the book. He's. He's it's uh he's he's obnoxious to the characters, but he's not obnoxious as a character. Like everybody wants him to to leave, but by the time like I think maybe the fourth book comes around, he's an integral character, and he's actually kind of like Terran's like most loyal friend, and they like bro around together, and it's great. Um, but but like, not in this, not in this. No, I, I no. feel like he's more Jar Jar than it's like Jar Jar Ooh, meets Gollum, yeah. And I feel like he's a I feel like. In a weird way, Gurgi's like, uh, is like their first attempt at Stitch that went badly. <laughs> oh God, yeah, that's fair. I that's get, valid. You know, I think it's the voice. Honestly, it's the it's Gurgi's voice that's annoying. Because I asked him, like, well, does Gurgi actually talk like that? What he he says? Okay, Gurgi does speak in, in the third person in the books, and he does say things that rhyme like crunchings and munchings, smackings and whackings. Sneakings and creepings, things like that. But oh, good. Okay, so that's a thing. But like, is it the voice then? Like, I think the voice is the most annoying thing about him, honestly. Because if well, it, it's also his like his look. Because like when I look at Gurgi, I'm thinking like, what is this little this little creature? Like, I don't like it. I don't like, like, get like it away it. from me. 
<laughs> he but looks... it's got those big Disney eyes where it's like, love me. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I will not. It's it's like an E. It's like a. Um, it's oh, my no, gosh. Don't you dare say Ewok. Well, no, I'm, I'm, let me finish. It's like they wanted to make an Ewok, but then they slapped the face of. Uh, oh, my God. The dog from Lady and the Tramp. The pa- Oh, pa- yeah. Uh, That's he's true. a tramp. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, and Peggy. It's Peggy's character. Peggy, Peggy. It has, like, pe- she has, Gergi has, like, Peggy's face. But it's on, like, a weird Ewok Yeti body. And I- it's, I don't know, there's just something about the design that doesn't work. There's something about the voice that doesn't work. Gergi just doesn't work for me in this film. No. Gergi, like, very much exemplifies the entire movie in a weird way. <laughs> where it's like, it's got the face of the of the thing. And I think I'm supposed to like it, <laughs> but something's wrong. <laughs> something's wrong with Gurgi. So, what happens? Like Gurgi says, "Oh, oh Gurgi just wanted Gurgi like, just wanted the apple that uh, Taryn was trying to lure Henwen out with." And Gurgi tries to take the apple. There's some banter. It's Gurgi. Doesn't Gurgi say like, "Oh, I know where Pig went." But... Yeah, he knows where the pig is, but he doesn't really. He just wants the apple. And things are gonna go down, but then Taryn hears um Henwen squealing. Oh yeah. By the way, oh before we go into that, wasn't there like the I noticed a weird cut with uh from like uh with the Gurgi the scene with Gurgi because there was yeah there's a weird there's one of the weird many weird edit slash cuts is in here where a scene just feels jarring I can't remember it specifically but, but there is one of them here like yeah it's like a weird like um it cuts to like two seconds later or something and it's like whoa why okay why did Gurgi suddenly move <laughs> in a weird way um, <laughs> so they they must have edited out a scene where Gurgi just suddenly decided to gun someone down. <laughs> And this okay. is the part where the, uh, I think this is the part where the Gwithants show up. Oh, the, the, dragon. the, the, the dragons. Sure. Oh, wait a minute. Now, is this the part in the castle where all those, uh, those debaucherous we haven't got soldiers? To that part. Have not got to that part. I mean, there's just... not a ton to talk about with this first part, because this is the part where they kidnap Henwen. And she's running around, and it's really sad, because she's a little piggy running around, and Big dragons are trying to snatch her out of the off the, off the ground, and Kale and I were both looking at it, noting how weird some of the animation is when it's like against the realistic roiling cloud sky in By various the way, points. Uh, this film, uh, probably another reason why it was so expensive, is it uses computer graphics. So oh oh yeah, a lot of computer graphics were used for this. Um, well, it's actually the first. Full-length animated feature, or Disney animated feature, to incorporate CGI into its animation. Wow. Well, like, that's interesting, because when I was watching, I, I noticed that a lot of the, the way that things seemed to be edited, where there would be, like, a background, and it looked like we were digitally zooming into the background mm-hmm. while things were moving on top of the background. Yes. So it, it felt like it was in layers. It didn't feel like one whole tangible thing. It looked like we were watching a bunch of pieces interact on a sort of digital background. It's uh, it's very strange. Yeah, it's like watching a janky multi-pane camera shot, like from the earlier films, you know? Yeah. But they're janky. <laughs> janky. It's Yeah, it's very awkward. I'm like, did they not? the layering what's going yeah on? some of the layering is just really weird so i totally get what you're you're both saying in this case um, i wonder to what extent they were just like 
okay, we got to let this movie go. We've been <laughs> holding on to it for a decade. And like, it ain't going to get any better than this, y'all. Why don't we just dump this mother, uh, this thing out? <laughs> dump this mother out? Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. That's, you're allowed to say that. Okay. Still PG. Cool. This is still a PG. This is a PG-13 God podcast now. Let's be real. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're leaning into that. We're going to lean into it this episode. Normally, I, I drop little censorships in places, but not are, this time. Not you, this time, baby. Are you, you going to put it as ex- uh, explicative? Uh, this is like the one time. It's going to be hilarious. <laughs> yes. Um. But anyway, so this now I think there's a bit with Gurgi that no one cares about because it's Gurgi, and then. <laughs> Because he's like, like, oh, I'm sad because Taryn said he wasn't my friend. And then, yo, not to mess up the order here, but can we talk about how Gurgi is like the whole center of the ending of the film? Yeah, yeah, they they really think we love Gurgi. They really want us. That's it. You're you're absolutely right. And this part feels so forced. They're just like, look at Gurgi. Don't you like Gurgi? Don't you want to buy Gurgi merchandise? Gurgi. 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 In your Happy Meal. <laughs> no. Wait, well, did they have a deal with McDonald's at this point? I don't know. <laughs> oh, my God. I wonder if there were Black Cauldron toys at McDonald's. Oh, could you imagine? I gotta look this up, actually. No, I while, while you're looking that up, let's talk about how Taryn goes into the castle. Because I do want to talk about how Ger- they they all hedge their bets on Gurgi, but... but- trying to keep it a little bit in sequence we go to uh, him getting in the castle he's he's climbing up there's some vines and then he sees the debauchery <gasps> there st- were there yes, was- it's gurgi from 19- in 1998 so remember how oh, when they re-released the black cauldron on yeah. vhs they have holy hell yeah. oh my god they have yep. it's gurgi no they- it's ugly it- yeah they have mcdonald's mommy i don't want to play with that one <laughs> You don't, so you don't want Gurgi holding an apple standing on a VHS cassette of the Black Cauldron? Cause that's what Good the toy is. Lord. That ain't gonna work. <laughs> hey, you mentioned debauchery though. Yes. Yes. Let's it's talk. my favorite scene of the movie. Is it? No, it's the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I was gonna Cause say. it's a bunch of, it's a bunch of, uh, Conan, like, hench, it's a bunch of, like, Conan extra ripoffs standing in a, in a castle drinking and, uh, making eyes at a voluptuous uh, dancing woman. Yep. Yeah. Um, can we talk about how this movie is um, <clears throat> puts on glasses problematic? There's we can do that. There's some bad stuff going on in this movie. Um, there's, there's to be fair, I've seen worse stuff in earlier movies. Like I still I'm still not past the oh. portrayal of the Native Americans in Peter Pan. That was awful. Oh, Lord. That is, no, we, we watched him like, wow, this is bad. Like, <laughs> it goes over your head when you're a kid, but then like... Yeah. Uh, so this is child's play compared to some stuff we've seen before, but you're allowed to put well, on your glasses and say, it's problematic. Okay, thank God, because there's one part in the movie that it's not this scene. This scene is indicative of everything the movie's going to do, mm-hmm. uh, but... The, there's the scene with the witch where there's like a witch lady in the in the clouds and oh. and she tells the music boy she's like oh i like forceful men like, oh. and i wanted to die <laughs> <laughs> i can't believe that's a line in, and they were like in a disney movie no less right and and i'm sure at some point they were like shouldn't have done that that was that was where we that was where we messed up. That's why no one liked the movie. <laughs> yes. 
it had that, nothing to do that with was Gurkey. why that was that was why not because yeah not because that the characters are like underdeveloped and two-dimensional cu- cardboard cutouts and they try to literally they're cutouts and then there's like a background and they're just like comically like glued onto it <laughs> digitally it's, it's so bad it's y'all so, it's distracting how noticeable it is it is it it's really weird. is i was like you could see like the white lines around the weird. characters it's, it's so Oh my god! And which is which is so strange because there's parts later in the movie where the animation is like actually really exquisite and yeah. fun, and then you get moments like this, and it's like, what? What is even happening? Is this is this also the scene where we get introduced to Creeper? Yeah, I have. Yes. Okay, so here's the interesting part about Creeper because I recognize the oh, voice. Um, Creeper. Okay, uh, depends on if you grew up with. Sabrina the Teenage Witch and um, saw Double Double Toil and Trouble, the Mary-Kate Nashley movie. You um, know I did. Okay. <laughs> Good. So we're all on the same page. So um, yeah. he w- the voice, the actor is um, a little person named, um, oh my goodness, I, I'm only thinking Roland because that's the name of his character in Sabrina the Teenage Witch. And his other character was Oscar in um, Double Double Toil and Trouble. <laughs> Hold on, I got this. The power of Google compels you. Who will get there uh, first? Bill Fondacaro? Is that, that's the name of Creeper? I believe so. Yes, I, I think that is true. Hold on. I'm going to double check. Uh, he he was recently in the film Evil Bong. Um, <laughs> Bravo. Uh, so, uh, Phil Fondacaro. Yes, that is him. Yes, cool. So, so yeah, he was uh, Oscar in, um, Double Double Twin in the Trouble. He's the the he was the magician guy, uh, uh, dark long long dark hair, kind of has like a yeah. scratchy voice. Yeah, that's him. He's the voice of Creeper. He was also an Ewok. He was also an Ewok. <laughs> oh, perfect. So there's another Star Wars sort of connection. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So, well, I mean, Return of the Jedi wasn't out yet, but um, no, I don't believe so. So this is before that, but um. Can we talk about how this scene is the worst thing? Uh, okay, so it, we're just going in here to these to this like group of 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 strange drunken men. Yep. Uh, all looking upon a woman who seems fine uh, to be doing what she's doing. Uh, we see her. Uh, we see her upskirt a couple times, mm-hmm. which is something they decided to animate into this children's film. <laughs> and of course, all the men uh, get like horny eyes yeah and 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 yeah a lot of them are wearing viking helmets so it's not that surprising See, that they're I, horny i'm so excited for <laughs> the great mouse detective because <laughs> there's a song. oh no yes that oh you, you, think you it's know bad. you think it's bad in this one. <laughs> oh no there's oh, actually God. one of the i've made jokes with people about this because in the great mouse detective or okay let me rephrase this so people were like, let's do Disney um, karaoke. And I'm like, I am so ready for Disney karaoke because I know exactly which song I'm going to choose. And that's Let Me Be Good to You. Oh, that's we get to talk about that next month. I know. I'm so excited. You have no idea. Heck. So, um, so but yeah. on top of everything else that's going on in that scene, yes. they have a little slave. And that's, that's right. Oh, my God. That's that's the guy. That's the little goblin creeper is their little slave, Mm -hmm. and uh, he's a little goblin, so they could they could be Loki, 
Except not they, Loki. They can be completely. Yeah, it's just be, you're our they're slave racist goblin. against Creeper. They're speciesist. Yes, it's um the worst thing. What, Why? What, I don't know. What even is Creeper? We don't see any other Creepers. <laughs> well, like, isn't that a thing that goes on in this movie? Like, where you're like, what even is Gurgi, really? <laughs> you know, He's, what even is Creeper? But you know what I realize is, is Creeper is is like Gurgi in that they're both unknowns, but the difference between Creeper and Gurgi is Creeper actually has a personality and is funny. I do like yes. Creeper. I actually do like Creeper. <laughs> I like when Creeper at the end of the film is like, the Horn King is dead, oh no. And then he's like, the Horn King is dead. Oh, that's that's awesome, actually. <laughs> yeah, when he like has his laughing fit, he's just having a great time. Yeah, because he realized he doesn't have to be um a slave anymore. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> Um, cool. Hey, speaking of uh, speaking of the Horn King, he has the most dramatic entrance. I wonder if like he always comes into a room like this with like wind, so. lightning, and a, like a puff of smoke. He just, <laughs> he just teleports into the room, and everyone's just like, "Oh no, it's the Horn King!" I'm like, "Did he really need to make that dramatic an entrance? Didn't we he already... couldn't he have just come through a door." Like this feels like the first scene that should have had the Horn King in it. You know, right? If he's we're we're make... we're showed that he's intimidated by like the correspondence of people around him and not just like yeah by the way i told david this i'm like wouldn't it have been awesome if we never saw his face Ooh, it would be cool yes that would have been nice um he 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 show he rolls in and he tells um i guess creeper creeper sets him up with henwen so they got henwen oh good and taryn's watching from above and they try to get her to do the the fortune thing, right? Like the mm, ocular yes. thing to find the cauldron. Right, yes. And then that's when Taryn shows up and makes a complete fool of himself. He try he falls in and he tries to fight off one of the dudes, but he accident accidentally ends up grabbing a broom. And so they cut the head of the broom off and and throw him in front of the Horn King, and they're like, "Tell us how to use the pig." And he's like, "No, I promised Dolbin." And he's like, "Okay, so they're gonna execute Henwen." Which is oh horrible. hell yeah! The, and the Horn King breaks a perfectly nice goblet. With Damn his it. bare hands. Of course. Um, but then when they're going to kill Henwen, of course, Taryn's like, okay, I'll tell you where the cauldron is. Um, and then they do the thing with Henwen. He, he, he activates Henwen's, Henwen's powers. They start to get a sense of where it's at. I can't remember how this gets interrupted. I think uh, Taryn tips the thing into the Horned King. For some reason, the water scalds him. Yeah, something happens. I don't remember. I presume it's water. But yeah, Taryn. There's a jumble of stuff here. Taryn starts running away, throws Penwin to a. This was this part was very distressing for me because yeah. he threw the pig off the battlements. <laughs> and we're like, "Well, that pig's dead." A pig, swim away, Penwin. That that moment is um the worst thing. I I know That's... I keep saying that, but yeah, like he he punts a pig into into off a waterfall. And it's just like <laughs> swim. Swim no, away. swim away, little pig. How do we know Henwin can swim? We don't. How does he we know don't. Henwin can swim? We he. I bet he doesn't know if Henwin can swim. Well, I mean, he'd rather have a dead psychic pig, I guess, than let the Horned King have it. Which I I just hate the fact that this movie like allows this kid to make that decision. <laughs> like, I wish the pig was the main character. Oh man, if we just followed Henwin through the movie. It would be a better movie. I I kind of agree. I'd yeah, rather, I'd rather follow the the Henwin story. The incompetent 
instead of the incompetent Terran. Anyway, uh, he gets thrown in the dungeon. And he's being a dummy. and He's being real like, I can't believe how useless I am. He's having one of those moments and we don't care. Yeah. No. no we don't really care. But then uh, a princess arrives. Is there a reason for her being a princess? Absolutely not. There is in the book, but not in here. She's a princess, though. No reason for her to be one, but... So so this is this is Princess Elanwi. And, she has, and a, she has a bobble. She has a bobble. And this is actually where I like the animation, because I like the way that they use the lighting in this part. with the When the bobble zooms around them and changes the lighting and casts shadows. Like, that's actually pretty yeah. cool. But, um, and Elanwi is just shy of being a likable character in this. In the books, she's very likable. I like Elanwi a lot. She's got that same kind of, like... She states everything matter-of-factly and is just kind of like, oh, did you not know this? I, did, I can't, you know, that kind of thing. But in the book, it's actually funny and endearing. And here, it's just weird. I don't know. I don't hate Elanwi in this. I, I don't hate her. I, think I was actually very relieved. Finally, this movie has someone who isn't just a dude in it uh, and isn't or isn't an animal, <laughs> uh, which is pretty rad. Uh, but at the same time, it's also frustrating because it's like, uh, shrugs at character. Yeah, that's, that's kind of how it goes. I mean, at first she's fine and then they, they, she doesn't have much agency beyond that. Right. And well, and it's, it screams like, here comes love interest that, that needs to make boy feel better. Uh, they just like throw her at the movie in an attempt to like, like lighten up the events and keep things moving. Like we need something to come in so that they don't just give up. Right. Okay. Here comes a lady, the ultimate motivation. <laughs> and, and yeah, I mean, you're rolling your eyes a lot. Uh, you can, yeah. when you you're me rolling our eyes over here. Yeah. You can, you can hear us all rolling our eyes in once. Um, mm. but yes, alas, uh, I mean, that said, thank God. You know, thank God she's here. <laughs> you, you know what I think of her? The thing, same thing I think of all the other characters. She's underdeveloped. Yeah, absolutely. Like, mm. just, I, I feel, I don't hate her, but she's just underdeveloped. She suffers from what all the other <clears throat> characters suffer from, just not as worse as... Well, like I said, in the in the book, she has a role. She does stuff. She's actively active as a character and has agency. I kept expecting her to, like, you know, actually be the one to lead... Taryn out of the castle with the help of the passageways and the bobble. But then Ter- once Taryn gets that magic sword, he suddenly thinks he's the best. And he's like, no, come this way and takes her an o- the opposite direction of where they were going. I know I just glossed over the fact that he gains a magic sword, but the movie does kind of too. So well, isn't that the weird thing where the movie like does this like double whammy thing where it's like, yo, so he needs to cheer up. Here's a magic sword. And a woman. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Enjoy! <laughs> Enjoy! <laughs> Everything will be fine now. Um, well, because, like, he's got to have the woman so that when he has to get rid of the magic sword, it's, it's you know, it's there, still going to be all right. At least the woman's still there. Right. So I, I also love how, how the movie treats her in the same way that it treats the sword, where it's like, a character has gained this. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, cool. Uh, anyway, Look, yeah. Item. Well, the sword is also what allows him to defeat people without actually having to kill them, because usually they get freaked out by the fact that it breaks their weapons. 
Like that one oh, guy yeah. we tested on. By the way, does it get? Is it just me or does it also get annoying whenever this, there's like loud trumpets every time a sword hits something? Duh, 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 duh. Yeah, there's fanfare every single time the magic. Sword. Oh yeah. Oh oh oh, and I almost forgot. I, I'm not going to be surprised if I did forget, but somewhere in somewhere in here they they find a fluter. Oh yeah, I can't the bard. How, oh yeah. Uh, he's in the dungeon, and they happen to be passing near his cell. Um, I think he's beyond the sword room. Maybe I can't remember. There's a there's a crypt where there's a sword held by a dead king or something. Whoever owned the castle before. In okay, so in the books, this is interesting. In the books, Elanwi has a reason to be there because originally, um, Taryn is not at the Horned King's place. He's in a place called Spiral Castle, which is owned by Elanwi's aunt, who happens to be an evil sorceress. Uh, Alanwi likes to sneak around the castle because she's kind of stuck there under her aunt's care, and she finds Taryn and and helps him escape with, you know, actual agency in the book, unlike here, where they're just both prisoners of the Horned King. So, yeah. Well, Lloyd Alexander was way too kind, too. He was way too kind to this. Um, anyway, they meet Fluter. Uh, Fluter is a bard. Uh, his gimmick is he... Much like in the book, his uh, he whenever he lies, one of his harp strings breaks. I think that was a good little quirk. I have it's to admit, cute. it's cute. Quirk. It's cute, but again, that's the lifted directly from the book. So I actually really like that dynamic. It's just not utilized very well here. Although I do find the moment darkly funny where he's like talking about how great he is, but then he looks across the cell from him and sees a skeleton with a, a lute <laughs> chained up, <laughs> and he just goes, "Help." I enjoyed that. You know, I like how this movie also does this thing where, like, it it clearly displays in the opening moments that it really has no idea what to do with characters. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, well, what if we solve the problem by throwing more characters at the movie? <laughs> like, maybe if we just keep adding them, suddenly it will be better. Oh, yeah. uh, and in the saga so, that already had, like, 30 or so characters with their own arcs in five right. books. And by the time this character shows up, it's just like, ugh, another one? By the way... Again, um, it sucks, because Fluter Flam, this is me speaking as a fanboy, I understand that, and who enjoyed these books as a child, but Fluter's great in the books. He's he's the the comic relief character, and he actually is, because he's always getting into spats with his harp. Fun fact, this is voiced by Nigel Hawthorne, (coughs) Fluter Flam is, and uh, you'll hear Nigel Hawthorne again as the uh, father in um, Tarzan. Oh, he's the professor. Yeah. Okay. So I, and I think he does has more fun with that role. Well, he he seems to be having fun with this role. As well. Yeah, I don't think he's not having fun with Fluter. But anyway, they they rescue Fluter. Um, he kind of gets left behind a little bit. Gets chased by a dog. It bites his pants. It's funny, you know. Ha ha. Um, <laughs> you know, humor, humor, humor. Um, I'm just trying. I'm trying to get to the parts that I do kind of remember about the movie yeah that i remember (laughs) as well they do get out of the castle um uh by how did they get out of the castle again uh oh they they get over the drawbridge i think yeah they do yeah and the portcullis comes down and they run away taryn uses his sword cut to uh oh i think it was uh i think i think the next thing is like creepers like oh crap the pig got out, the prisoners got out, the master's going to kill me for this. Oh, we do get one bit that's important. We see, um, I think while they're creeping through the, or was this later? When they're creeping through the dungeon and they see a cart full of corpses being brought in. Was this here? Oh, Lord. 
<laughs> Creeper's leading movie. someone with a cart of corpses into the castle. And that's around here. <clears throat> anyway, uh, the Horn King is like, it's fine. Uh, the boy is probably going to lead us to the pig and maybe the cauldron. So I'm going to send the, the dragons out again, the Gwythids. Uh, then we cut Great. to, yeah. Then we cut to a forest and they're having a, they're having a time and Fluter's uh, doing a song and he's putting on his pants and there's some. <laughs> He's, Nicely said. Yeah, well, he is. He's doing both. <laughs> he's doing a song while putting on his pants. Yep, he's behind. As you he's, do, he's res- he's respectfully behind a bush while he's doing. Thank this. goodness. Yep, because no one wants well, to see. No one wants to see Fluter's flam. Apparently, we can't see Fluter's underwear, but we can see some random ladies in the damn castle. Yeah, that's. I don't know. Yeah, that's, weird. A, that's really, that's weird and unfortunate. Also, there's an unnecessary <laughs> fight between Taryn and Elanwi here. Yeah, like, oh, you're a girl. It's like, oh, God, are we going to have to do this? Really? Didn't Yes. Do we really? Apparently, yeah. Ew, cooties and stuff. And s- he calls her a silly girl and it makes her cry. I'm like, what? And then Gurgi comes yeah. to disrupt it. And I'm like, well, the first time Gurgi actually comes at a time, I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> he tries to steal uh, Fluter's stuff while uh, Taryn is off apologizing to Alonwi for being a a, a, a real dink. Uh, there's not really much to add to this part, is there? No, no, yeah, no. no. So what happens here? Gurgi's like, oh, wait, I know where Pig is. Or... He found Pig tracks. And they follow Pig tracks and then fall into water that lands underground. And then there's fairies. Okay, so yeah, they get, they go to Whirlpool. And they all pass out. And then they all wake up, and they're fine. But they're unconscious <laughs> for a few minutes. Yeah, and then there's fairies, and I guess the fairies know where... The, oh, the fairies have the pig. Oh, yeah, so these are these are the fair folk. And in the book, they are more like traditional Celtic fairies, and that they're not tiny little winged people. They're like sort of, you know, the mysterious changeling kind of race. That whole thing. They're a little yeah. bit more like dwarves. And, uh... King Idolig and Dolly are also characters, but they're, and they're there. Dolly's kind of the one that ends up traveling with them, but he's not important. He doesn't do much. Yeah, he's just like, yeah, I'll take you to these three witches. One of them is voiced by Witchy Poo from Patreon oh, Puff and stuff. I, I want to talk about the witches when we get there, because I actually really, uh, yeah, the witches are, okay, anyway. They're kind of fun. They're, they're kind of fun. fun. I do like them. Um, thank God, it's only, like, they only show up way late in the movie, but oh well. Um, More characters. Sort of my my thing with the with the the fairy people is it's the same thing where it's like here's more yep stuff that we don't know what to do with. Here you go. I'm getting some real. Like, I hate to say it, but during this part, I was getting some real troll in Central Park vibes. Oh, that's oh, yeah. God. I was kind of feeling like Snow White a little bit. Mm-hmm. No, I don't know. We, we watched if it were Snow White, though, the, they would, the fairies would have character, like the dwarves do. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> um, so they, they're going to keep an eye on Henwen, and the king, the king, King Idolig, so they're, oh, King Idolig actually specifically says at one point, has the fighting and killing stopped above? And I'm like, wow. <laughs> uh, well, hmm. Why uh, are you humans always killing each other? Like, well, the Horned King's out there, and they're like, oh, well... Why do you all want to find the black cauldron? Because I think they come to the some point they come to the realization that if they find the cauldron before the horned king, they can destroy it, so he can't use it, and then that will stop everything somehow. Because I 
I still think the Horned King is going to be mad and just continue to kill people. Probably. But at least he won't have an army of cauldron born. Oh! <laughs> cauldron born. By the way, actually, I forgot to mention this. This is actually a pretty cool fact. So, Tim Burton was working at Disney at this time, mm. and he was actually a conceptual artist on this film. And he wanted to incorporate, because it's Tim Burton, uh, minions that looked like face huggers from the Alien franchise. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> God. Let's go. Let's do this. I want this so badly. Tim, bring it. Tim, please. That would have been amazing. Oh, I'm sad we didn't get this. We didn't uh, get that because um, that would have been a good idea. Yeah. Jeffrey Katzenberg would never have allowed it. Oh, no, of course not. No. Then again, so they leave. They get teleported back out. Dolly's going to take them to the marshes of Morva, where the cauldron is. Henwen, who this part makes me sad. All the characters go except Henwen, who is the best character. Henwen is no longer needed. Henwen is, not, is no longer plot relevant. Her plot armor has worn off. She survived... And made it her way to the fairy, the fair folks place. And now she's hanging out there. So anyway, so it's, it's the party of Taryn, Alonwi, Gurgi, Fluter, and Dolly go to Morva. And this, in my opinion, is one of the better parts of the movie because some actual animated comedy happens. Like slapstick. And then the witches show up and the witches are hilarious and I like them, especially the fact that, uh, one of them is his the voice is voiced by Witchy Poo from Puff and Stuff. Hell yeah. I mean, that la- there's no mistaking that laugh. Yeah. She has like, the best witch laugh in the world. I don't know why this just occurred to me, and it doesn't have an awful lot to do with what we're talking about, but there's this video floating around on YouTube right now <laughs> uh, <laughs> where, where it's this guy walking down the street, and he sees posters for Smallfoot. <laughs> And he's he just starts singing the names, oh, and he's like Zendaya is Michi or Michi. I've seen and this. I have seen this. Oh my god! Danny DeVito is Gorka. <laughs> it's really <laughs> funny, and and I don't know when you just named all the characters, you're like, yeah, there's like Gurky and uh, the Fluter and this and that, and they all go on an adventure, and I'm just like. Oh my god, <laughs> it's that video. If you would have just sang that, it would have been perfect. <laughs> it's Fluter and Gurgi and Taryn Nilanwi and Yeah. <laughs> yeah like and, the, and, the names are very silly, is and, my point. And an Orgok and <laughs> I don't remember the witches' names. It's probably for the best. I have the witches. Yeah, probably. They're probably awful. I they're uh, the the three witches are in the Black Cauldron. They are in the book. Oh wow. Yeah. These these witches are actual characters. Someone read the book. I think Creeper is the only character not from the book. Yeah, Creeper's not in the book at all. So it's Ordu, Orwin, and Orgok <clears throat> are the names of our characters. Which one was which one was voiced by Billy? Uh, Billy Hayes, who did the voice of Witchy Poo, is Orgok. Orgok's the best. Yes, and uh, there is. I find it funny that there there's one witch character that's like, ooh, I'm in love with the old man uh, bard character, Flooper. Oh yeah, we and, and you mentioned her earlier, May the 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 very boobalicious one. <laughs> oh yeah, the one that loves forceful men. Yes. Yeah, the one who loses frogs down her shirt. Of course. Which, which I said that's unrealistic. She would totally feel that frog <laughs> between her boobs. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> if her boobs are that big, yeah. No, it doesn't even yeah. matter. Boobs are very sensitive. No, I know this. It's just 
But you even then it wouldn't make a difference. I mean, if there was a frog anywhere near my my boobs, uh, I would um, scream and yeah. run. Oh, okay, yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, oh, no, no frogs, please. No froggies near my boobies, please. No, thank you. No, she wanted. She clearly wants the man near her boobies, yes. not the frog. No, no. Yeah, forceful men. Forceful. Uh, she's pretty forceful herself, though. God, God, God. <laughs> So the witches are like, ooh, we want that sword that Tarin has. And I got an idea. Let's give him, they want the Black Cauldron. Let's trade the Black Cauldron for the sword. So he agrees to it. And meanwhile, they're speaking very loudly to each other about how they can't do anything with the cauldron. When it kills them, we'll just get it back or whatever. Which, yeah, I mean, that's hilarious Mm -hmm. to say that right in front of the people that are about to die. (laughs) Also, can we talk about when they get the cauldron? Uh... Uh, Gergi is immediately like, well, I, I'll just jump in the thing, whatever. Yeah, and then they're right. like, but you'll die in there. And Gergi's like, oh, well, then I can't because I'm not brave. But so that's what is that supposed to be foreshadowing? Because like, I, I don't know. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, the only way to stop the black cauldron is if the, a live person goes into it, I guess. And it, but willingly. And willingly. if they do. Kills them, but also destroys the cauldron's power. Then it just becomes so, a regular old cauldron with a weird face on it. So basically, then the movie turns into sort of who's going to commit suicide for the cause uh, thing. No spoilers, but uh, in the Black Cauldron book, it's none of these characters. It's not even Gurgi. It's a character Damn. that's not even in the book. It's a character that's in the second book. It's, in, it's a character who's introduced in the Black Cauldron who is like basically has a redemption arc and then like jumps into the cauldron to save the world. Is this character in this film? No. Wow. Well, it's an incredible disservice to said character and I won't say who it is. There's another character who's instrumental to that plot. Who's also not in this film. And I'll say that's Prince Gwydion. But anyway, so wait, how does the, uh, how the, I can't remember what happens between then and them getting captured. Oh, they get captured almost immediately after they get the cauldron. I think that's what happens. Yeah. Um, also, this movie, like, this movie has this amazing ability to magically turn into a giant fog <laughs> where I have no effing idea uh, what happens next. <laughs> yeah, we're already I, losing track. Yeah, I'm forgetting. I have stuff. no idea. It's the climax of the movie. I was lucid. I was looking at it. I have no idea what happened. I'm sure that I'll go, oh, yeah, when you tell me. But when I'm thinking about it right now, I have no idea. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm trying to remember if we forgot anything, and I don't think we did. Uh, so the witches leave. They get the cauldron. The Horn King's goons show up. They take the cauldron. They take the, the gang. Except Gurgi, who ran away because he's a... Coward. Coward. That's the theme. That's the whole point. And then, like... The the three and oh and Dolly Dolly finally says screw this and leaves. He just leaves, having <laughs> no bearing on the plot whatsoever. Thanks, Dolly. Um, um, and so they go. They get taken back right back to the Horn King's castle, and they get tied up with a view of the cauldron. You'd think the Horn King was going to throw them into the cauldron, but he doesn't. Instead, he does this elaborate thing where he throws the first corpse into the cauldron. We get a really beautifully animated scene of him activating the cauldron and bringing the cauldron born to life, like bringing them, bringing the, the corpse, his corpse basement mm-hmm. out for a big party. 
By the way, this was supposed to be more horrifying. A lot of minutes were cut from this scene. I saw, I've seen um, concept art that's actually really creepy and graphic of this part. Yeah. Like, they basically, the cauldron born, when they wake up, they, like, you see them dive on some dudes and knock them off camera. I think you, in another cut, actually saw them, like, destroying them, potentially? I don't know. But, yeah, they're up and at them, and they're going out, and they're, the four characters are like, oh, no, they're caught. And Gurgi comes in, and Gurgi's freeing them, and then Gurgi's like, I'll dump it, jump into the black cauldron. Well, Terran's going to jump into the oh, cauldron no, Terran's first. like, I'll jump into the black cauldron, and Gurgi's like, no, I'll do it, Master. Because I have no friends. Yeah, <laughs> this pointless scene. This is what, I think this is what you wanted to talk about originally, though. Like, this all hedges on, on Gurgi. Gurgi. It's like, why this is the start of everything why? hedges on Gurgi. Why is Gurgi suddenly the main character of this? Why is Gurgi suddenly integral to this story? Like, there's this whole movie, and then there's Gurgi, and Gurgi's shoulders have to carry the whole movie. <laughs> so Gurgi jumps in and bursts. And does the whole, it does us all a favor. Yeah, and burst into flames. Yeah, they're doing, you're going to be like... Poof. And everyone cheers as he <laughs> dies. I don't mean... Me, uh, I, I I turned to Kayla as we were watching this. There was an explosion. Terrence staring in horror. Alon Wee staring in horror. And I just turned to Kayla and said, And nothing of value was lost. <laughs> Thank God. All the- and then, no, we don't even get to have that. We watched the skeletons just fall down. They're like, what's going on? Saya, they're dying! W- weren't they already... Dying. Well, the Horn King is pretty miffed by this, so he goes back into the room. And uh, Cauldron's sucking things up. Uh, and... They, they have the lamest fight. That was the... I'm like, wait, is this really the climax? Uh, look, I've only seen this movie once before it. this. I couldn't remember that. And then I'm just like, is this really the climax of this? In the climax of the Book of Three, the battle with the Horned King is actually really awesome and cathartic. Not like this little weird push fight that happens between Terran and the Horned King. And, uh, although the way that the Horned King, like, how he tears apart, that's... Yeah, so what did you think of that bit, May? Uh, where what happens? Well, the, he, Horned the Horned King, King does... When he gets sucked into the cauldron. Oh, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's amazing. Right? He, he, like, <laughs> disintegrates. Like, into a skeleton, and... All his skin and organs come out. No, no, they're not organs. Just his skin, like, sloughs off, and his soul gets sucked out. It's it's really It's metal. one of those moments in a movie uh, where you can smell it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, yeah, and so I just imagine, you know, being a kid and, you know, being able to smell that. It's kind of awful. That's but uh, Very was into that. I remember that. Oh, I don't I... remember how he ended up in the cauldron. But thank God that he did, uh, and he burned alive inside it. Yep. He, uh. Thank God. That was, that's a good bit. That's a, that's a memorable villain death, even if the villain, unfortunately, is not very memorable. Yeah. I just can't help but imagine, like, how much better that, that horrible, horrible, horrible death would have been if, if we really, really hated him. But instead, we were kind of ambivalent. He was just kind of scary. Yeah. And then he dies. The Horn King is scary and sort of generically threatening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's gone. You're like, well, like, you, you're aware of the term assumed empathy, like where yeah. it's just like, OK, so we've got a we've got a boy character. He's fairly traditional. He's a dreamer, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we we as writers can just assume 
that the audience is going to have empathy for and we don't actually have to characterize him in any sort of <laughs> intricate way. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing with the villain in this where it's just he look evil. Therefore, everybody gonna everybody gonna hate him. You know, yeah. everybody gonna want to see this happen to him. But when it happens, you're just kind of like, oh, God, what? And what? it also feels like it comes out of nowhere. Yeah. And finishes off way too fast. And yeah. we're thinking, so is there a bigger boss fight coming or and then there isn't. I feel like the bigger boss fight is just them escaping in the castle, which is a scene we didn't necessarily need dragged on as much as it did. No. Well, and that's partially why it feels like there's going to be more, because that whole scene is like a whole thing. And you're like, oh, this is going to pay off in some sort of bigger way. It doesn't. No. Nope. Um, instead, they resurrect Gurgi from the dead. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, was, that was dumb. Uh, that was nice. Oh, yeah. They do the bit where they negotiate with the witches for... They'll give the cauldron back, but they want Gurgi instead. I'm like, Taryn, let's be real. I would have taken back the magic sword. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, you take the sword back. Gurgi, whatever. Whatever. (laughs) Gurgi, you knew for five minutes. But that's sort of the arc of the movie, right? Because uh, Taryn, at the beginning of the movie, starts off by beating animals and enjoying violence. And at the end, he decides to resurrect an animal. So, yeah, well, I guess there's kind of an arc there where uh, an arc that was much better done in the course of five books. So I'm sure they celebrate, I guess, and that's the end of the oh, movie. They, there's an awkward bit where Gurgi like force they're like group hugging Gurgi and then Gurgi forces Alanwi and Terran's faces together. So they like inadvertently kiss. Oh, like, yeah. You um, the two people in the movie that have the least amount of chemistry and Gurgi's like, what if I just forced y'all to kiss? And we're like, God, I wish Gurgi was still dead. <laughs> I wanted, I, you know, honestly, I, I, the only ship I have in this movie is, uh, is, uh, you have a ship in this? No, the only thing that, Fluter the only character relationship that and it makes any sense to me is, is Fluter and the, the one witch. Cause she yeah. likes forceful men. Cause she likes forceful men. And, and when I think of forceful men, I think of Fluter. Yeah, that's <laughs> my thought too. Fluter does have a moment here. That's it though, where he's negotiating, which is like, okay, that's kind of, that's a cool, he, he doesn't do like anything else the rest of the movie, but you know, this, they walk away and then Dalbin's back for a brief bit. Oh, we do get that cool bit that you talked about where, um, Creeper flies away on the Gwithent, laughing like a maniac, and he's actually got the Horned King's horns in his hand. I'm like, good for you, Creeper. Yeah, that's pretty fun. You know what? Good for actually, you, Creeper. You're Creep- the other good character honestly, in this movie. Creeper has the best arc ever. <laughs> Let's be honest here. He gets tortured, he deals with all this crap, and then at the end, Horned King dies like, I'm free! Hooray! And He breaks to- out of slavery. That's yeah. like a whole story. Too yeah. bad that that's not the the movie. No. Oh, that would have been so good. That would have been much better. Like, you would have Corn King be like, save me. And Creeper's like, no. No. Sparta kick into the. You were the chosen one. The Horn King screams as he burns alive and his organs fly out. Could you all over the children in the front row? Camera cuts to Creeper, the light of the Horned King's dying special effects flickering evilly off his face. Creeper then assumes control of the Horned King's army, leads them into the sequel. (laughs) Thank goodness there's no sequel, because wow. There was a sequel. It was called The Castle of Lear. No, oh wait, I'm sorry. Never mind. Don't. 
so yeah, that's the Black Cauldron. We, I'm sorry if we seem so flippant about this, it, dear listeners but, who have followed this for so long, but this is a, this really is a, for us, I can, well, I'll always speak for myself. For me, this is definitely a low point. This one is too. It's not as bad as, uh, the flight one. Victory through air power? Yes, thank you. Cause that was boring. Like, at least, like that was not watchable. This is actually somewhat watchable. There's some good moments. I don't hate it, but I don't like it though. It's- well, here's the thing. Like, I very specifically remember watching this as a kid. Oh yeah, we didn't talk about our histories with it. Oh, we usually talk about our personal histories with the films, especially if we've seen them. Um, like, like I, I don't know. I mean, it's very clear to anybody who knows me that like I'm very into like macabre, spooky stuff, mm-hmm. and like. When I was a kid, stuff like this was very formative to me, mm-hmm. but I I did not remember a damn thing about this movie until, like, I thought I did, but then when we started watching it, I was like, oh, no, I don't remember anything about this. <laughs> and then we continued to not remember anything, <laughs> and I was baffled because I was like, wow, this did not stick with me. Except for the cool skeletons and that dude burning alive. I, Those are the only things that mattered. Honestly, I wish they would have kept the horrifying stuff. Because at least you could look back and be like, remember that horrifying imagery in that one Disney movie? Do you realize how cool that stuff was? How much it would have stuck? Like, how insane that would have been? But no, we. it's like whatever little horrifying imagery is in there is cool. But its I don't feel like it's enough to save the film. No, absolutely not. Um, and not only that, it's it, it's not memorable. You are that that's the problem. It, it's it's not memorable. Are there some good moments? Yes, but it's poorly done. The characters are underdeveloped. The story is it's okay. It's like it, it has a it technically has a story. It's just not a good one. Yeah, and it's just such a missed opportunity too because like. All of the stuff with the with the like really macabre sense to it would not matter at all. Like, oh, no. if it scared kids, it would be totally fine. If there was like something like good about it, in the sense that there was some sort of very positive message, there was like some really good like representational elements. Like they they talk about some big issue uh that connects with kids really well like well the the characters are important something but no the idea behind this actually um the reason why they were making as dark as it was was because they wanted to appeal to teenagers (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay so i don't know if that's a i don't know if that's a great a great thing to do no i don't uh when you're a disney but that's all Michael Eisner wanted to do. He, his barometer for if anything was good was if his, his son liked it. So, wow. And one another thing too is there. I mean, I think there was a point, and I I think Disney messed up on this that they thought, oh, what if teenagers like this? And it's like, no, that's Disney. And I, Dave and I can agree to this, um, or have talked about this. The idea of Disney movies was to be for the whole family. That right, anybody exactly. can enjoy it, adult, right. adult or a kid, and if you're just appealing to one demographic, especially with like animation, you you gotta you, you gotta choose 
all all of the above or just kids, to be honest, because <clears throat> or well, right. there's there's like exceptions for just adults, like Ralph Bakshi. Once we get into him, that's going <laughs> that'll be an interesting one. But like, yeah, the you, you just aiming to teenagers is not that's not a big enough niche, especially in animation. Yeah, and it. I, I think this, they said, yeah, this was the movie apparently that a lot of people say was the real cause of the Dark Ages for Disney history. I don't feel like that Dark Age is going to last very long, though, considering our next movie. Well, it's still... What is the next film? Uh, the Great Mouse Detective. Oh, right. Okay. Which is which is a good film. I like it. I I I I have rewatched that film over and over, and once we'll discuss That it. one is actually memorable. It, <laughs> it is a very memorable film. Um, um, but, and when we get into it, I'll tell you my personal history and all that, but or, even then, it was still in that kind of awkward place. It wouldn't be until, um, for two movies specifically, uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit and L- The Little Mermaid, when we get into, um, We sort of get back to the Renaissance? Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Um... I don't really have much of a personal history of this film. I rented it a couple of times and that's it. And I remember some parts of it, kind of like what you you were saying, but yeah. um, other parts were just there. Yeah. It's, this is a weird one and I'm kind of happy to close the book on this one. And, but it, you know what it does make me want to do? Go back and reread the the Chronicles of Prydain. Yeah. I've never read the book. Uh, it wasn't. Neither have I. Funny enough, I do have a weird book history with it. What with Prydain? Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, I don't know if May knows this, but um, I went to high school, middle school, and elementary school with a bunch of different YouTubers. One of them, <laughs> I one, did not. Uh, yeah, one of them was John Tron, and um, um uh, oh, I gotta go. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Matt, uh, <laughs> I'm yeah, just this, kidding. Go this, ahead. This is a silly story. Don't worry. So uh, we actually had to read a book. <laughs> And we had to perform, like, a few minutes from that said book, uh, like a little skit uh, with a group of people. Uh, I, the one I actually did was uh, A Wrinkle in Time. And, uh, oh, yeah, okay, good choice. Went, thank you. Uh, one of, and then I had, I can't remember what student it was, and, uh, but some student read um, one of the uh, Perdane books, and... Uh, young Jonathan Jafari, who is like <laughs> 10 years old at this point, is part of the scene and they're doing a sword fight. And there is a point where you can actually, where I remember this so vividly when Jonathan Jafari gets a sword and like goes, Now die! And his voice just cracks and it's like, Oh, honey. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. I hope that's on video. No, <laughs> sadly. Wow. I wow. can't believe this is true. Yes. That that you that this is something that happened to you. Yeah, that I, you no, I have more stories. I can talk about it later on. But um, oh my god, DM me. I want to know. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, she's she's got some she's got some stories. Hell yeah. Uh, Hell yeah. Kill. So where where can we find you? Yeah, it's plugs time. Oh plug. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> uh, I'm on YouTube. I'm Nick Spears on YouTube. I have I have a new video out today actually, but I mean not today for you. Tomorrow <laughs> today for me. Today for you, tomorrow for me. Yeah, um, yeah, and so uh, you can do that. Uh, I'm also on Twitter. I make music, Bandcamp. Um, that's 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 all. Cool. That's, that's that's me. I don't do all 
modest. Oh, don't you don't have to be so modest. Down. Come on. I'm I'm prolific at being unprolific. Enjoy your unprolific lificness. <laughs> yes, uh, truly. Um, anyway, yes. Go well, ahead. Well, May, thank you very much for joining us for this episode. It's Absolutely. Been a, it's been an absolute delight. This is fun. You made Heck this, yeah. You made this movie tolerable. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was very weird to go back to my childhood and see something that historically, like, was a big deal. Uh, for for what it really is, mm-hmm. which is kind of a disaster, yep, with some skeletons in it. In the basement. Yes. <laughs> um, there's usually a lot of skeletons involved in huge disasters. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> that is true though. <laughs> yeah. So join us. Brings- Go ahead. So join us next <laughs> month when we don't do uh, a, a movie nearly as macabre. Uh, or as boring, uh, we're gonna do. We're gonna cover the Great Mouse Detective. We've said at least three or four times because we're bouncing off the walls about it. And uh, an old friend will be joining us for that one. And we actually ooh, get back ooh, to ooh. Should, should we, spoilers. Oh, I'm sorry. Spoilers. spoilers. Dang! Now I want to know. I'm gonna have to listen to the episode. That's so that how it is. Yeah, yeah, you gotta listen, peoples. Anyway, uh, let's close this chapter for Dane out. And uh, let's let's hope that we uh, we never have to encounter this movie again. Although I do, <laughs> although I do admit I do I am sad we never got to check out the Cinderella Castle mystery tour. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that sounds more fun than the film. Here's my last fact of fact of the day for this film. Sure. <laughs> Only films do not have any musical numbers. Oh yeah, nobody sings in this. Except well, thank God for that. Thank right? God. Except Fluter Except for, for like looter. seconds, yeah. I'm Aaron. I'm Brendan. I'm Brian. And I'm Rob. And we're the hosts of Faux Boys, the podcast about Doughboys, the podcast about chain restaurants. So, Aaron, what is Doughboys? Doughboys is this podcast hosted by Nick Weiger and Mike Mitchell, who are two hilarious comedians, where they talk about chain restaurants every single week. So, wait, what's Boys then? Boys is a podcast hosted by Aaron, Brendan, Brian, and Rob, four hilarious comedians who talk about Doughboys, the podcast about chain restaurants. Are we going to go to the same chain restaurants that the Doughboys are going to? I sure hope so. But if we don't, we're still going to record an episode. Do they have chain restaurants in Canada? <laughs> Some of them. So tune in to Boys, the podcast about Doughboys, the podcast about chain restaurants on BenviewNetwork.com. Every two weeks to listen to Boys, the podcast about the podcast about chain restaurants. Hey, does Feral Audio know we're doing this? This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com.